So Chazal tell us, Mishanichnas Adar Marbe Basimcha, we will medayik from this Chazal, that the Simcha of Purim is very uniquely different than the Simcha that we have to have on Yom Tov. Every Yom Tov, Medaraisa, V'samachta, Bechagecha, you have to have a Simcha. But for that type of Simcha, it's not necessary for us to make a preparation all the way from the beginning of the month, right? Chag comes, and you have Bosa, you have Yayin, you have different things, and you're able to reach the Madrig of the Sabbath, the Bechagecha, on the holiday itself. But by Purim, by the fact that Chazal are telling us, that means it's something that you have to slowly, gradually reach the level of Simcha that you have to reach on Purim, which is Mishnah V'Simcha, you need to grow into it. It's not something that you can just begin on Purim itself. There's another deal, because the Chazal say, Keshem Shenichnas Mishnichas Av Mematim B'Simcha, Kach Mishnichas Adamar B'Simcha, means it links the two things together. Whatever you have a Keshem Kach in Lomdis, it means, Keshem means you're comparing the unknown to the known. That means by Av, it's clear, it's understood. Av, in order to have Avelus on Chorben Habayis, structure of Beis HaMikdash, it's not that easy to just wake up on Tisha B'Av and start having Avelus, right? So you have to begin the Avelus process slowly to get yourself ready for that type of thing. So, Kach, Mishalichas Adam, Avim B'Simcha, the same thing is that the Riboy Simcha on Purim requires some form of a preparation. Now, just to give a basic layout to it, and we're going to get much more deeper into it, what is the difference in the mitzvah of simcha on Purim? That makes it uniquely different than the simcha of Yantiv. Okay? So we have this thing, we spoke about it a little bit, but let's just bring it out clearer. We have this Sefer HaYetzirah, that says that every single month in the Jewish calendar is connected a different chush of the body. For example, like we mentioned, that on Nisan is the chush hadibor, speech. And we explained because the mitzvah of Nisan and the avoidah from Nisan is it's haggadah, which is speech, so therefore it's connected speech. In Adar, says the Sefer Yitzirah that the other is Tzchoik. The Chush that a human being has is that he laughs. Tzchoik. So step number one, before we get more deeper into it, is that the Maharal in a place says the difference between Simcha and Tzchoik. Simcha, he says, is Belev. He's going on the Gemara that says that Oz Pinu, then... After Mashiach, that's when we're going to reach the level of schoik. So what's before schoik? Simcha. Simcha, he says, is believe, which is in your heart, but it's not expressed to the highest level. Schoik is the highest level of simcha, which comes out, and that will be in the Zman of Geula. So the Goyin on the Sefer Yitzirah says a very similar thing. He says that the Mishnah is Simcha of Purim is Choyk. And he says also, he alludes to us in Lavoy, 
where he, we'll go into it later more, the exact Chazal and how he learns it up, but bottom line is he also compares the Simcha of Purim to the Simcha of Lost and Love. So Purim is very unique in that respect, that it's a certain um, revelation, which is similar to the revelation that we experience in Mashiach, which brings us to the level of Schoik, and that's not such a simple level to just reach by eating Bosavayayim. You have to prepare yourself to internalize and to digest and to see even though we live in Olam Hazer, even though we live in Golos, even though we live in Hestaponim, to see a certain worldview from the perspective of us and love. That's not such a simple thing, right? And we explained, again, we have to also go into these things, Barichas, but we explained that the gather of Tzchayk is um, when a person, when the unexpected happens. That's Tzchayk. Tzchayk is when the unexpected happens. You're going, the world is going down, the, the tumor is getting stronger and stronger, the chil Hashem is getting stronger and stronger, and all of a sudden, boom, unexpected, you see retroactively how everything was really leading towards this revelation, that shocking, uh, unexpected outcome is what really the point that brings out Tzchayk. That's what we went to. So obviously, this gives us some direction, to try to understand, you know, exactly what the revelations of Mashiach will be, and how Purim has that similarity to that revelation. We also mentioned, and this is important also to focus on, is the Shlach HaKadosh, when he's Mazbir, the Indian, that all Mu'adim atidim li batel, chutz me Purim, that Purim is not going to be bottled in Moisa Mashiach, so he explains that the other Mo'yadim will be here as well. But what does it mean by bottle? He explains that it has a comparison to bottle b'shishim. Bottle b'shishim means that Yitzhiya Mitzrayim is one type of revelation. And that type of revelation, all the Yom Tovim Mitzrayim. So that type of revelation. When Mashiach comes, it's a totally different type of revelation which will be so strong and so overpowering that, in, in other words, the Mu'adim that are based on Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, the revelation of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, will pale in comparison to the revelation of Mashiach. So that's called Bata. Mashiach Keri says at this point that Purim is a revelation which is compared to the revelation of Mashiach. So it's Min Bimino. And mean bimino, the same type in its own, is not bottle, rather it gets enhanced. So he also saying this point that Mashiach and Purim are very compared to each other, as opposed to Yetzirah Mitzrayim, which is a different type of revelation. So this is obviously the groundwork of what we need to, to, to see. Okay? Now... So the, the basic point that we're saying is, is that for Tzchoyk to happen, you have to reach the pinnacle of Hester upon him. And once you reach the pinnacle of Hester upon him, and then there's a flip around, that's where the Tzchoyk comes from. So now we're going to focus a little bit more on what the Hester upon him is. Okay? That's what we want to try to, uh, to work on. So if you remember, we spoke at one point that whenever we're in Gullus, under a certain nation, 
there's a cheshben why we're in that nation. Because that nation has a certain bad midah, a certain Indian that's a very big test for Kalal Yisrael, that Indian, okay? So in Purim we have Paras, which is Persia, and in conjunction with Amalek. So we have to explain each one of their, their uh, midah, that's Tameh, which puts us into a tremendous hest upon them which makes it, has a very, very big spiritual, uh, you know, effect on the Jewish people. So let's take, just for a second, we're going to take Amalek first, just for a minute, and try to bring out some of the Amkis. We mentioned some of it in the Shmuz on Thursday. But I want to get it a little bit deeper, clearer what we're talking about here. So we said, the point of Amalek is, it says in the Pasuk, Asher Karecha Baderech. So Chazal tell us that the attribute of Amalek is Mikre. Okay? Mikre. That everything in life is just a random act and random things. So we have to explain that. Because in our brain, when we hear a Mikre, we look at it like punk lightning struck a guy. Like, what's the chances that such a thing will happen? It's a fluke thing. It's, you know, just punk happened. But Mikra is a lot deeper than that. Because Mikra could have a lot of chokhmah to it, a lot of science to it, a lot of explanation to it, right? For example, let's say we take the war of Russia invading Ukraine, right? It could be hours and hours of political analysts and people who understand war. They can explain everything. What's the significance of Ukraine? How does Russia gain by having Ukraine under its control? What does it affect Europe and the United States and NATO if Ukraine goes to Russia? All these type of things. And, you know, explaining why the United States would help, why they wouldn't help, how much they would help, how they have to be careful, and, you know, where does China come in? You know, there's all kinds of explanations and there's hours of chokhmah and science and explanation that goes into each and every one of these things, right? However, this is all called random. This is all called a mikra. Why is that called a mikra? Because if the event is isolated and it's not connected to a plan and purpose of creation, then it's called a mikra, right? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu had a plan and purpose of creation, which over 6,000 years... There is a tikkun being done, and we're getting closer and closer to the revelation of Mashiach and Asad Lava. And we're fixing the chet from Admarvishan, and every event is connected to that bigger picture. There's always a tahalich, we're going on a, on a mahalach, how to reach a certain destination, and every single thing is connected to the bigger picture. So then nothing is random, everything is connected. So mikra means that it's random and it's not connected, even if it has science in it. Once you're working in the world of teva, and you're not working with hashkacha protis that Hashem is involved in the world, to run it and to bring it to a certain place, it's a certain level, right? Then you're called mikra. That's what Amalek is about. Amalek is about mikra. You got that? So... The armor force would explain that's why Amalek was very anti-Brismila. As it says 
And the post of Nechashalim Acharecha, Chazal bring that they were mevaz of the brismil, they cut the brismil off of the uh, weak people of Klal Yisrael and threw a klape maila, and they were mevaz in brismila. What's the problem with brismila? What do they have against brismila? So the Teretz is because brismila represents the connection between God and the human being. It brings Hashem into the world, and they don't want to have Hashem in the world. They want to have a godless world. Once you have a godless world, and it's a natural world, it's a world of nature, so then everything is only defined by the laws of nature, and therefore that's called random. You understand? That's how we... Mazba, I'm going to say a little tifka in a second. Okay? And we said the same thing was Esav. Because the Gemara tells us that when a person is, has his Yetzirah attacking him, so what does he do? Yaskeloyoimamisa. He has to think about death. What does he do? What, how does that help him deal with his evil inclination when he thinks about death? Because he starts to connect his present state with his future. Right? Our whole life is leading towards something, right? Like the Masil Sasharab says, that we have to have a certain foundation and a guiding point that our entire life revolves around that. Right? We're always trying to reach Shlemus. Our whole life is not random acts. Every day is leading towards something for our future. It's building ourselves. When we make a decision, we uh, decide under the light of, is this bringing me Shlemus or is this bringing me further away from Shlemus, right? So when we think about Yom Amisa, it reminds us that our future is dependent on today, right? Yet we find by Esav, that Esav was mevaza the Bechayra. Why? That means Esav saw death as the end of life and I'll never, there's no Hemshech. That means it's only in Olam Hazer. It's only in Olam Hazer. So therefore, hop around and enjoy life while you're still strong and young and have fun because your life is going to down and down to nothing, to emptiness, right? And that's what we said of a Chazal. The Chazal says that Hashem called Esav Shov Ba'ilam Hazer. Shov means purposeless. It's not, there's no purpose in Olam Hazer, right? There's no purpose. It's Shov. Just like a person who makes a Shvua that it's sunny outside, when the whole world can see that it's sunny outside. So there's no purpose in that Shvua, right? Shvua is Shov. He uses God's name in vain, right? So Esav's life is Shov. I, he's becoming a doctor, a lawyer, and he's making millions of dollars, and he's a businessman, he's doing all kinds of things. How can you say his life has no purpose? The Terence is because it's the same word that we're saying in Amalek, that it's called random. It's also called no purpose. Why is that? Because if it's not leading to a future, if it's not leading to a Nitzchias, if it's not part of a grand plan, if it doesn't belong to the structure, the true structure of the world, it means it's just being a doctor for the sake of being a doctor, that's called shove, that's called no purpose. If you're being a doctor because you're trying to do chesed to reach your shlemus, or making a parnasa to put your kids in yeshivas and buy kosher food and do mitzvahs, it belongs to a much bigger plan, a plan that's much bigger than just being a doctor. Doctors punct the Kalim that you're using to reach your perfection and your tafkin. But when doctor is a thing in itself, it's not reaching to anything, then it's called shove. So the attitude of mikra and shove, this is all part of the same attitude that God is not involved in the world. The world doesn't have a 
plan and purpose. There's only nature, and therefore everything is purposeless and everything is random. And that's what they want to put into the Jewish people to feel like Hashem forsake you, or He is sleeping, or whatever. We'll see different chazals that He was trying to be machnes that tumma into the heart of a Jew, which unfortunately many Jews are lost in that tumma. So it also gives us a, maybe a nature of an explanation. And the Gemara says in Megillah that why were the Jewish people, uh, you know, punished for being men and misuticide? Why were they killed? Why were they gezera? Why did they get the gezera? Right? So Rabbi Shimba Yechoi had a dialogue with his students. They wanted to say it's because they were nene from the Suda of Achashverish. Right? They had pleasure from the Suda of Achashverish. So Rabbi Shimba Yechoi said, if that's the reason then only the people in Shushan should be killed, not the whole, all the Jewish nations. So then Rav Shemba Yechai said the reason is because in the earlier generation they bowed down to the Tselem of Nebuchadnezzar. That's why they should be destroyed, right? Now there's two problems with that. One the Gemara brings out. The Talmidim asked him, if that's true, so how can they have a, be saved with a Ness after doing such a horrible sin? Right? Now the question is, once there's exer to be destroyed, how, if it's a horrible sentence, enough of exer to be destroyed, you shouldn't be able to have a nest, right? So how come in their pshat this wasn't shver? They said the pshat is because they were nenev mesudas achashverish, right? So if it's whatever the chet is, if it's such a strong chet that's deserving of destruction, I so why should they get a miracle too? Why only in Rabshiru by Yechai's pshat is it shver? What about their pshat? Their pshat's good. Their pshat doesn't need a, this is, this is okay. And Rabshim Berichai doesn't ask this on their pshat. He just says only the Jewish people from Shushan should be. The second problem, which is not so clearly brought out in the Gemara, but it's a problem because when Rabshim Berichai's Talmidim asked Rabshim Berichai why were they deserving of death in that generation? That generation. You understand? So he answers because they were in the Shach HaVelatzelem. That's a different generation. So why is this generation getting punished, right? So obviously there was a lot of ink uh, spilled on these questions. You know, a lot of talk in the Mepharshim. But in light of what we're saying, we have a little bit of a, of a, a, a shtick of the hair here. Is that <clears throat> there's many references to this, that it's really a combination between the two things. The Ikechet is Davay Dezara, right? But Hashem didn't was holding back from punishing them, right? Until this point. This point's the trigger. This is the thing that now that you anonymous as soon as we can get you on the other thing. No, so in light of what we're saying, we'll say the husband is like this. Nanimasudasakashvarish means that there was some form of a yush that the grand plan is not really here anymore. So therefore, they have to be good with the king of the world. They have to feel good that at least he's machshed them and he invites them to the party so they're in good standing with the king, right? Being nenef from the suit, it doesn't say that they ate anything that wasn't kosher. Adirab Chazal say that Mordechai was the mashkiach, right? He was, they made sure that it was kosher. Maybe they didn't even mingle with the guy. You know, the point was that they were nene from the actual suda. Nene from the actual suda means they felt good, that they were good with the king. And the king, that means they put their uh, trust in the king, you know. 
That means Ashkocha Protest is not in the world. It, it, it affected them to some degree that there's no Hashkocha Protest. This Amalek concept affected them to some degree, right? So then the point is that it's not a punishment for the Chet. It's more like if you remove your Betochen from Hashem and you put your Betochen in people, then automatically Hashem removes his hashkacha from you and therefore there's no protection. That's the Chayvah Salvador says in the beginning of Shtar Betochen. So, so the point is, <clears throat> you don't say that you're not deserving of a nest because that you can fix. As long as you now realize that Hashem is the boss of the world and now you put your Betochen in Hashem, immediately you get back to hashkacha. You understand? The, Aver, the Ika Aver itself was the Heshtach Aver Letzelem. That was the Aver. That Avera, how do you get a nest to save you from that Avera? That was the question they asked from Shemba But the Nene from the Sudasach Hashverish was only uh, a point is that you lose Hashkocha. You lose Hashem's protection. Now you're under the, the world of Teva, because you, you mask him to Teva. Teva became a thing in itself. So then you lose the Hashkocha's Hashem. That's why it's not such a Shverakasha. You follow? So again, just to get clarity. Amolik is about Teva. Esav is about Teva. They're about, <clears throat> there's no involvement of Hashem in the world. That's what they're about. Mamela, everything they, all experiences of life are called Mikra. Mamela, their life is called Shav. Now, the, the, the ability to do Tshuva, for a Jew to do Tshuva, the, the hope that he will do Tshuva, and the ability to do Tshuva, and Hashem will give you time, and He won't punish you for your head. That's called Kama. You believe that there's Hashkocha, there's belief that the Abish's plan is still in the world, that you can still come back. You know, that's, that's still there. The minute you have Yish and you say that the Abish have forsake us and we're down now under the Mazalot and the Kochavim and the, and the Teva world, the Nenem is the Zachashverish, the second that happens, so there's no more hope for you to do tshuva anymore. Now there's no more Hashkocha Hashem, there's no special protection. Now you're putting yourself in the Elmateva, boom! will hit you for the Shtach HaVel You follow? That's the idea of it. This, this is what Amalek is all about. Now, we took this concept and we brought it out a little bit deeper. Because we know that Amalek was, in Chazal it tells us that Amalek was Yodeya as Boiro Yomachav and Limbrigbo. He was like a religious lowlife. You know what I'm saying? He knew God and he was Machav and Limbrigbo. boy. So we explained a very, very deep thing that Amalek was tiny in a, in a crumb way, in a, in a messed up, distorted way, that ain't oid milvadai, that once Hashem created you a certain way, you have no bechira, you can't change. That was Amalek's thing. There's no, he was anti-avoida. He was against avoidus Hashem. He was against making himself for Adam HaSholem. He was against changing yourself. You follow? That's why we explain a deeper step in Mila. Right? Because Mila is about changing yourself. It's about cutting off the Orla. Making avoid. That's what we said if a person brings his son to bris Mila, it's Ke'ilu like he's makr of a carbon, right? It's, it represents avoid. Amalek was very anti-avoid because Amalek felt that you are not changed. You can't make change. There's no avoid. That was his deep thing that you don't have Bechira. That was Amalek's attack in a spiritual way, which we brought out from the Forshim, that when it came to Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, Hashem said, you be quiet, don't do nothing, don't even do tefillah. Hashem, you lochem, lochem. 
you just be quiet, I'll do the whole work, right? So we explained that Tumas Mitzrayim was I do everything. There's no God. I do everything. So Omeila Hashem said, let's show them that they missed the boat. It's everything is Hashem. You just be quiet, let me show them everything is Hashem. Hashem, and then nothing. But when it came to the Mulchemes Amolek, Hashem said, no, 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 over here you got to fight. Not so simple. With Tefillah, Moshe Rabbeinu, Yeshua Benun, Bachar Lanu Anashim, it's a whole avoida, people that are Amolek, Matera, Yeshua, Amelis, Matera, a whole thing. Many, many Mepharshim, which we'll talk about one day. But <clears throat> it was a spiritual war too. So why we have to be involved? Why can't Hashem take care of the whole thing? Teret says, because Amolek is anti-avoida. That's their tumor. So how do we counterbalance Amolek? By living in Avoida. And that's why we had to fight that war. Right? We also said another taich in the Chazal. The Chazal say that, that uh, Rashi brings it down in Parsha Kitetze, right? That um, the, the, the Lashon of Karecha is from Keri, from Tumor. And he attributes the Mishka of Zohar to Amalekim. I've explained it's the same lumness. Because the point of Mishka of Zohar is that this is my reality, this is my tigers, this is my uh, way, right? And there's no avoider that I have to overcome that challenge and figure out how to be, uh, do my job as a person, as a man, to make a family and to build a family, right? I go with, this is who I am. So again, it's the same idea, you can't change. Tumas Mishkav Zohar means I don't change. You follow? So we also struggle with that a lot. People don't want to change. This is who I am. This is my reality. Right? So again, this is all very, very, very similar things that we see by Amalek. Right? That Amalek is, is it's, it's, he is saying there's no God in the world. We see that clearly from the fact that we see that Chazal tell us that why did Amalek attack at that moment when they were in Rafidim? Because in Rafidim, the Jewish people questioned Hashkacha Pratis. Hayesh Hashem Imayin. So you have such a question? Amalek comes. Amalek says that there is no God Bikirbainu. That's clear. The Chazal makes that connection <clears throat> between a lack of emuna and, and uh, Amalek. But the way we're explaining it is that Amalek is a philosophy. That this is the way it is, this is the way you were created. And therefore, he's a corruption of what a real human being is. Because a real human being understands there's a mission in life and he can change and he can acclimate to the Torah and he can fit his koichas with the Torah. That's a real person. They're making a person that's a corrupt person. A corrupt person is a person who doesn't have a God in his life, so therefore he goes after his desires, his feelings, his... However, he was made, whatever his, you know, whatever his thing is, right? That's a corruption of a human being. It's a deeper point, right? Besides for a tumor in Eden Milvade and, and, and knocking out Bechira, it's also a corrupted human being. And where you see that even clearer and even stronger is actually in a Rashi in Parashaki Tetzeh, because in Parashaki Tetzeh, when it talks about Machotim Chet Zecher Amalek, it, it, it says it next to Mishkoilos. Mishkoilos means a guy who's stealing, but he steals by putting false weights on the scale, right? 
it's, it's like a trickery type of thing. Meaning, he's not just stealing. He doesn't say that if you steal, Amalek will come. If you steal in this way, Amalek will come, right? What's this? Every stealing is a lack of emuna. So if it's, it's not just the, the point that it's a lack of emuna. If you steal this way, it means you come across as a very straight guy. And just the scale is off, right? So the guy thinks he's buying something legit. But you're sketching him, right? That's a corruption of the human being. It's a lack of emuna that creates a corruption of a human being that you're trying to portray yourself and your image as being a very sophisticated, liberal, fine image, and I'm just going with my who I am, and I'm in touch with myself, and da-da-da-da. That's a corruption of a human being. So Mishkailus is a corruption of a human being. So it, it's, now here's the Tifkai. It's a lack of a muna that creates a corruption of a human being with a whole shita. That's a molek. So obviously we have more to say, but it's late now, you got to daven. But this is the idea that we have to realize that this tumor was what the times, and the times that they were in, was affecting them in a very strong way, this type of tumor. Okay, we'll stop here for today. Hopefully tomorrow we'll do Rapsodic Hakoyen Melublin, a beautiful piece. Okay?